Here on this Easter morning, we're actually starting and kicking off a, a new sermon series called I Believe. And so we're going to be asking some, some questions that all of us have probably thought throughout the years. We probably thought it at one time or another, but maybe we've never had a good answer for it. And since it's Easter, since it's Resurrection Sunday, we're going to start right there with the resurrection. But as we progress in this series, we're going to look at some other uh, things, other topics like I believe in the Bible and why we know the Bible is true. I believe in Jesus, how we know that he actually existed and he is who he says he is. And I believe in absolute truth that there is such thing in this world of relative truth that there is such thing as an absolute truth. And that comes from Jesus himself. For the thinkers out there, the ones that kind of like to mull things over, process things, analyze things uh, before making a decision. I hope that you would find this series helpful to you. Um, I hope that you're going to be back. I hope that you would come and consider the evidence that leads to answering all of these questions that we may have about our faith. I remember the day that I became a Christian. It was June 1997. And I asked Jesus to be my savior that morning. I truly believed in Jesus that he uh, was who he said he was, but I still had questions. I I still had what we'd probably say was a doubt. Uh, I didn't have everything figured out. By faith that day, I decided to follow Jesus. But he invited me to use the brain that he had given me to come up with some conclusions that solidified my faith. Perhaps maybe you're there as well. Uh, If you're, maybe you're a Christian and you're here today, but you really could use some solid evidence uh, for what you've already accepted by faith. Or maybe you need some confidence on how to talk to other people about Jesus and the things that have happened in the Bible. Perhaps you're here exploring just who Jesus is and you haven't made a decision to follow him. And I am so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, I invite you to consider some of this evidence today. And maybe today, just maybe today would be a tipping point for you to ask the Lord Jesus to be the savior of your life. For he's the reason we're here. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus is the most pivotal event in history. Jesus died paying the price for all of our sins, but he didn't stay dead. Amen? He didn't stay that way, right? Three days later, after he was crucified, he arose. That's what Christians all over the world have already celebrated and will continue to celebrate on this Easter Sunday. It is why we are here today. It's not just why we're here today. It's why we are here, period, right? The entire faith system of Christianity rests upon this one single event. And the earliest missionary that we know, uh, uh, the author of most of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this about the resurrection. This is in your notes. If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Christianity is useless unless Christ has been crucified. And that should make us stop and really consider that if the resurrection is so important, 
is we should stop and consider why is this so vital to all of Christianity? Now, I don't know about anybody here, but I've never seen somebody resurrected. Now, I've seen hundreds of people as I worked in the hospital. I've seen hundreds of people resuscitated, but I've never seen anybody resurrected, which means that you have been brought back to life never to die again. When I worked at St. Francis, I witnessed many people resuscitated. But to my knowledge, every single one of them have either gone on to die or will go on to die once again. I know of no one that has come back to life never to die again like Jesus did. No one. And so this resurrection thing can be pretty challenging since none of us in this room have seen that. And so today we believe, or we start with this series, I Believe in the Resurrection. And there's actually some pretty good reasons to believe that Jesus, in fact, did really die and raise from the dead. Even though none of us have experienced that, even though none of us have seen anybody actually do that. If you're taking notes, it's because the, resurrect, the resurrection is evidenced by the facts. So this morning we're going to look at some facts about the resurrection. But to do that we need to gather some evidence first. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, the book of Luke this morning, chapter 24. The book of Luke is the third book of the Gospels. It starts the New Testament. It's about three-fourths of the way uh, through the entire Bible. You'll find Luke. If you were to grab even one of those pew Bibles that are in front of you, those little blue Bibles, it's page 1025 if you want to cheat. Okay? All right. So here's what Luke records about the beginning of the third day after Jesus' death on the cross. Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Now we need to stop there and catch up just a little bit. A lot has happened since we were back in this sanctuary last Sunday. Last week we left Jesus on the hillside. Remember he was coming back into Jerusalem and he was on the hillside and he stopped there on his donkey and he wept for the city because he knew that they didn't understand because he knew that they were going to reject him. And so then he was arrested a few days later by the Jewish high councils. He was beaten for claiming that he was God. His flesh was torn. His blood ran heavy. He was forced to carry his own cross, which was the the Romans' method of execution. And there on that hill, nails were placed into his flesh. And he hung on that cross until he died. And he did this even though he never committed a sin, even though there was no personal price for him to pay. He was guilty of nothing. He did it because it wasn't his price to pay. It was our price that needed to be paid. He died to pay our price for our sin. His dead body was taken down off of that cross 
and he was carried and placed inside of a tomb. And roughly a 4,000 pound stone was rolled in front of it and they would have sealed it with clay around that stone. And now that's kind of the super duper Reader's Digest version of the entire last week or so of Jesus' life. But let's look, see what happens next. Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. So for gathering evidence about this resurrection, the first thing that we need to look at is the empty tomb. I I know if if you're a skeptic about this, you might be saying, well, big deal. The tomb was, was empty. That doesn't prove anything. Perhaps his body was moved. Maybe his body was stolen. But the fact that this tomb that day was empty is actually a pretty big deal when we consider the facts, when we consider the circumstances that were surrounding his death and the precautions that were taken to make sure that this tomb remained full, to make sure that this tomb always contained a body in it. See, we see in this passage, we read that Jesus had just told people that he was going to rise. Now, not everyone, including his closest followers, understood exactly what he meant. But the Jewish leaders didn't want to take anything for chance. And so, letter B, the tomb was secured. I want you to read with me what the uh, gospel writer Matthew, Matthew is another recorder of the the life of Jesus, Matthew had a firsthand account of it. He was an eyewitness to these events. Matthew is two books prior to Luke. Page 966 if you're, you want that, all right? All right, this is what he writes. The day after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate, the Roman governor. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. And so Pilate answered, take a guard. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. Now, what we need to understand here, when the Romans would post a guard, we're not talking about Barney Fife standing in front of the county jail, right? It wasn't what this was at all. A Roman guard was 16 armed 
men. 16 armed men entrusted when making sure that that Roman seal around that stone was never broken. And if this was an overnight uh, detail, which it was, those 16 would have been divided up into four groups of four. And they would take turns standing guard in front of that tomb. This was serious business to the Romans. If these guards fell asleep, if they failed in this mission in any way, they most likely would have been put to death. And not only that, that seal was placed around that stone. And to break a Roman seal without authorization was absolutely punishable by death. And the less than merciful Roman guards would have been more than happy to assist in that process. So here you have 16 armed men guarding a tomb with a Roman seal securing it so that nobody could ever enter it. So no one would ever get out. So one of the arguments that people make against the resurrection is this. Well, maybe the disciples came and they overpowered the guards or perhaps all the guards were asleep that night and the disciples snuck in and they moved that giant stone. They scraped away that Roman seal. They took the body. They escaped with Jesus's body and never woke up the Roman guard. Does that even make sense? So maybe some people say, well, did the disciples steal the body of Jesus? Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 28 gives some of the details uh, on this and the events that occurred that morning. It says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And after these events, let's look at verse 11. Some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests met with the elders, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, Here's what you were to to say. His disciples came in during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Maybe that's what happened. Well, there's a problem with this in explaining the empty tomb because not only was the tomb secured, not only was there no way in and no way out, but let's look at those disciples who supposedly did this. These disciples were scared. Remember a few days later at the death of Jesus, here are his disciples and they are running around scared as he is becoming, as he is being arrested. Mark tells us, the gospel writer Mark, tells us that everyone deserted Jesus and fled because they were so scared. And to make the argument that just a few days later, in the midst of their grief, 
in the midst of their not even having a full understanding of, of what Jesus meant when he said, hey, I'm going to rise again in three days. In the midst of their faithful, faith, faithlessness, in the midst of their fear, do we really think that these disciples gather enough courage to walk into to the tomb in the middle of the night and to take on a Roman guard unit? Sneak up to that tomb, break that seal, move a 4,000 pound stone, steal the body, and then escape unnoticed? It makes no sense. Well, maybe the whole story about the guard and the seal were, were just made up by Christians to support their, the story of the resurrections. Maybe Christians just has made up this whole thing. If that were the case, we'd expect to find the Jews of the day refuting the claim of a resurrection. But instead, they came up with this story for the Roman guards to say. <laughs> but with the truth... They're to tell people that there never was a Roman guard or something like that. But it's not what we find. We, we find the stories of the grave robbers and, and the guards sleeping. These stories don't add up. They, they don't make sense of this situation. If the tomb were really empty by any other reason besides the resurrection, if the truth was that it happened in any other way whatsoever that would have been the best argument against it. But they just made up this story. They made up this plan. The facts that the precautions were taken to seal this tomb and the fact that the disciples were so scared just a few days earlier and the fact that Jesus himself said, in three days I will rise again shows that the empty tomb happened. Not because of some story that humans like to try to make up, but it happened because of some sort of supernatural event like the movement of God. But that's not all. Not only is a resurrection supported by facts, and we can go into a whole bunch of other facts supporting the resurrection, but it's supported, number three, that the disciples' lives were changed forever. They were different. We just talked about how these disciples had been running scared on the night that Jesus was arrested. Peter, one of his very closest friends that he ever had, deserted him and denied that he even knew him. But after the disciples claimed to see the resurrected Christ, their lives dramatically changed. All of these guys went from being a fearful follower of Jesus running scared to being a fearless leader, proclaiming the death and the resurrection of Jesus because they were eyewitness to it, even facing torture, even facing persecution, even facing death. Why would they do that? Why would they do that if this were a lie? Why would they do this if they were making it all up? Why would they face torture and death or persecution? Here's why. They saw a resurrected Christ. 
They saw a resurrected Christ. Imagine the man that you have been following and he's been walking around and he's been doing amazing things for the last three years. And he has been proclaiming the kingdom of God. And before your eyes, you were there that night that he was arrested and he was nailed to a cross and you watched him die. You watched his body being put inside of a tomb and you're heartbroken and you're disillusioned. I thought this was the guy. I thought this was the Messiah that we had been waiting for. How did we get this so wrong? And if they were going to, if they did that to Jesus, am I next? Are they going to do that to us now? And so you hide afraid for your life. But then you see the man who you saw die. You see the man who was put inside of the tomb and he's standing in front of you very much alive. Your mind would be blown, wouldn't it? And he tells you that this eternal life that's available for all who believe and he tells you that you are going to be witnesses to this to the ends of the earth. And listen to how the Apostle John tells this in 1 John. John was another follower of Christ. He was another eyewitness. And he wrote, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have seen and heard. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that, that we ourselves have actually seen and heard. These men that saw the resurrected Christ and, and, and knew the truth that etern this eternal life that Jesus offered was real. What did they possibly have to fear in physical death from this point on? If God could do this for Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, God would do this for them. What power would death hold over these men if they just saw Jesus resurrected and alive? And so they went around preaching they told everyone they knew. They told that you could not shut these guys up. They told everyone about the good news of Jesus, that he died and he rose again. Not only is there an empty tomb, not only did the lives of the disciples change, but there is existence of Christianity, you know where? Here. There's still existence of Christianity today. The very fact that we are here this morning inside this church or people are watching online this morning is evidence to the truth of the resurrection. There are people here today, just look around you, I guarantee you, just, if you could just touch somebody, you'd touch somebody in this sanctuary whose life has been changed due to the power of our resurrected Savior Jesus Christ. I guarantee it. This faith has been passed down over generation after generation. The word of God was passed down from those very first disciples whose lives had been changed. Christianity would have failed a long time ago if this event, the resurrection of Christ, weren't true. 
it would have been too easy to produce or proven false. Somebody could have presented a body. If Jesus were still dead, somebody would have found the body by now. Somebody would have opened up that tomb. There would have been an eyewitness. Someone would have confessed to it. Not once, never has it happened. So is this so important for us to even believe this? This event that happened so many years ago, is it important for us to believe in the resurrection? Yes, a thousand times, yes. As we said at the beginning of this message, the resurrection is essential to why we're here. It's essential to Christianity, but the reality is that resurrection proves that Jesus claimed to be God, that he was in fact God in the flesh. First chapter of Romans, the apostle Paul writes, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. How? By his resurrection from the dead. Folks, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then Jesus isn't God. And if Jesus wasn't God, then the eternal life that he offers us is not available. It doesn't exist. But the resurrection now is essential for our living a life eternally. I want you to see how the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You'd still be in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have to hope in Christ, we are pitied more than all men. If there was no resurrection, there is no eternal life. Period. There's no hope. But if the resurrection is real, as the evidence indicates, then there is an eternal life after we die. And there is hope that we can live in eternity, complete, restored, a place with no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is God in the flesh. And when we put our trust in him, God who took on flesh, God who suffered death so that he could defeat that for all of us, we too experience a resurrection into heaven, into eternity with him. But if we reject him, if we fail to believe in him, we will be eternally separated from God with no hope. See, the resurrection is essential to us having that eternal life. But there's more. The resurrection is essential to us living life now. Second Corinthians verse five says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We become a new creation with the opportunity of a new life now, here on earth, not just in heaven, but now. And it's 
this is only available if we trust in Jesus and believe in his death and receive his forgiveness for our sins. Now, it'll be too late when we're gone. And when we do that, the same resurrection power, the same power that God used to raise Jesus from dead to alive is available to you to change your life today. The exact same power. Now that may not happen, your life may not change just immediately for you. Old habits sometimes die hard, don't they? But immediately it's available to you. Jesus said, I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. He's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about eternity here. He's talking about now, now. So why should I believe in the resurrection? Because it's true. The evidence supports it. There was an empty tomb. The lives of the disciples changed. The existence that we still exist as Christians today. And it's essential to living a life eternally and full now. So maybe you just happened in here today because this is what you're supposed to do. It's Easter morning and you're supposed to go to church on on a Sunday on Easter morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe you have your kids here and they're getting ready for the Easter egg hunt. Kids, it's, it's coming. Just hold on just a little bit. Whatever your reason for being here, I want you to know this. The power, the God who has the power to raise a man from the dead wanted you here this morning. He wanted you to know about the resurrection of his son. And he wants this fact to change your life today. He wants you to have eternal life with him forever, but he also wants you to have a full life here on earth. And maybe you've never stopped and really considered the evidence of the resurrection. Maybe you've never considered the implications of what eternity means or never really realized what a full life could be with him. Perhaps you've never thought about what it really means to believe in Jesus or what he did for you or what it means that a man would die in your place or what it means that he was resurrected three days later. He is our only hope of salvation in this life. He is the only hope of us living eternally with him. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not maybe. It's not if God feels like it. It says that you will be saved. And if you have never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, or you believed in your heart that God did in fact raise Jesus from the dead, Easter could be your celebration of life today. Celebrate the eternal life that Jesus provides through his resurrection. Begin to live a life that is full. Begin it today by receiving him as your savior. And if you would like to 
receive Jesus as your Savior. I'm just going to ask that you would pray along. I'll pray here in a little bit, little bit, and you can just pray and confess that Jesus is in fact your Lord, that Jesus is who he says he was, and you can confess your heart's belief that God did in fact raise his son, his only son, from the dead so that we could have hope. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we said before, you saw fit to send your son, to humble your son enough to be born as a child, as an infant. You could have sent your son on a mighty horse. You could have sent your son wielding war against all of those that would go against you. You sent your son as a baby. You allowed him, Lord, to grow up, live a perfect life. And when the time came, he fulfilled all of the prophecies. He fulfilled his calling and he died on a cross and right before his last breaths, he declared to the world, it is finished. The price has been paid. But you didn't leave him dead. By your power, by the only power that would exist like this in the entire universe, by your power, you raised your dead son back to life again. Why? To give us hope. To teach us that this too is available for us. And it's why we're here. It's why we celebrate you, Jesus. Jesus, I know that in, the, in a crowd like this today, there are those that have followed you maybe for a while and they know that their life is just kind of, oh, they've backed off. But they're here today. Lord, if this would be a day for you to bring them back and into following you, if this would be a church where they could come and, and, and to be discipled and to find friends that would walk this journey with them, then I pray that the Lord, that would start today. Lord, let them pray and, and ask you back into their life again. But Lord, I would also know that in a crowd this size, there are, there are those that have never prayed this type of prayer. And today would be a day where they would say, Jesus, I may not have it all clear. I may not have it all understood yet, but by faith, I believe those words are true. I believe you are the son of God and that you did in fact raise from the dead. And God, if you can do that to Jesus, could you do that with me now? Could you do that with my life? And so if there's anybody here that has never given their life over to Christ, I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer and I would just ask that you would pray along with me, but don't pray just with me, pray to Jesus today. Say in your heart, dear Jesus, I do believe in you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you did raise three days later. I don't get it. 
I may not understand it, but by faith, I believe it's true. And Jesus, I need a savior. I need someone to forgive me of my sins. I need someone to pay my price. And so Jesus, as you gave your life for me today, I give my life to you. I ask you to be my savior, to be my Lord. I give you all that I am. I give it into your hands. And in exchange, Jesus, you give me hope. You give me a full life now and in eternity in heaven. Lord Jesus, I would pray that there would be somebody here today that has prayed that prayer, maybe for the very first time. Lord, I'd love to know if somebody here has prayed that. And so I'm just going to ask our whole congregation, would you keep your eyes closed? Would you keep your heads bowed? If somebody here has prayed that prayer, prayer for the first time in your life, would you raise your hands just to let us know? Anyone? Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those that just raised their hands. We thank you for the new lives that are written in your book in heaven. We thank you, Lord for eternity in heaven for all of those, but also a life full here today. Lord, may we be their church. May we be those that would help them on this journey to disciple them in, in this journey with you, to help them make sense out of all of this. Jesus, we love you. We cannot thank you enough for dying in our place, but for giving us hope hope for a future, but hope today. And Jesus, it's in your wonderful and incredible name that we pray this morning. And all of the church says together, amen. Let's give God a hand for what he's done this morning. Amen. Amen.